Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to crosswalkphoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. We are beginning a new message series called Hope Rising today. Hope Rising Out of the Ashes. Oh, that my words were recorded. I wish they were written down in a scroll. Or even better, that if you took an iron tool on lead and engraved it, or inscribed it in rock forever. If someone starts out like that, I would suggest getting your pen and a piece of paper and saying, what's this guy have to say? But, but more important, the individual that said that, who said, I want this stuff recorded, I want it written down, I want it engraved so no one ever forgets it, the guy was crazy rich, crazy blessed. That, that when you look at his life, he was an individual that was part lawyer, part business entrepreneur. And what would happen is in the city which he lived in, people would come by, people would pay him to come and talk to him to get the secrets so they could be as successful as he was. So when he is going to speak and he says, write this down, this is good stuff, you listen. But this was the worst day of this guy's life. He had 10 kids, seven boys, three beautiful girls. And all of them died because they were in the same house that collapsed in the middle of a, of a very bad haboob windstorm that, that it, it blew in the roof and everyone inside was killed. This man on this day was also penniless that there was a change because of where his investments were in a very volatile area, that they were overrun. There was war in that area, and because of that, all of his assets in one day were destroyed. This man was recognized as someone who would give advice. He was a righteous person. He was an individual that would help people who needed help, but on this day when he needed help, no one would even talk to him. No one would show up, and, and no one helped him in any way. And then, as if that weren't enough in the middle of this, maybe not surprising, his marriage began to collapse. And you know what his wife told him to do? She told him, you, here, you write this down. Cover your kids' ears right now. Because this is what she said. Cover their ears. It's not my fault if they hear this. Tell God to go to hell. Tell God if that is the way you're going to treat me, damn you, God, I don't want you or need you in my life. To which he replied, get out a pen and a piece of paper. Get out a chisel and start writing this into stone because this is what you need to know. On my worst day, on the worst day of my life, this is what you need to know. I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will walk on the land. I will see him even after my skin has been destroyed, which it was as he lost his health and he sat literally in the ashes scraping himself with a piece of pottery. 
I myself will see him. Oh, my heart, how my heart yearns within me. We're starting a a message series called Hope Rising, Hope Rising Out of the Ashes. And if you want to know what we're talking about, we're talking about that. We're talking about this guy. Maybe you know him. His name is Job. There's a book recorded for us in the Bible about him and what he went through. And most of the time, when, when you think about him, you think about all the things that he's lost. But the jewel and the gem in the middle of Job is in chapter 19. And it's in the midst of his misery and in the midst of his hopelessness that God allows him. Job lived like three to 4,000 years before Jesus. And what Job was allowed to see is he was allowed to see into the future 4,000 years and in the midst of his misery to say, I know that one day the Son of God, the Redeemer, the one who can get me out of this mess is going to come and I know that he's alive and death will not stop him and death will not stop me either. If you want to know why we're here today, this is why we're here today. It's in the hope of the resurrection. It's because of a historical event that happened that has changed the course of the world, not just since it, but even before it. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And as long as that truth remains a fact, there is hope. There is hope no matter what the ashes are that you are sitting in in your life. That there is now no longer anything in your life that can be considered hopeless. So we got to find this. I want this. I want this for my life. God wants this for your life. And so we take a moment to look at it this morning. And where we start is Romans chapter 8. Romans 8. For in this hope, and it's the hope of the resurrection, in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not have, we wait for it patiently. That's the nature of hope. That that hope is something that in the middle of a good situation, you don't need hope. In the middle of a bad situation where it's hopeless, most people don't have hope, which is when it's most necessary. In the blank, you can write this. This is what hope is. Hope is the confident expectation, the confident expectation of what God has promised. It's strength and it is in his faithfulness. Hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised. Its strength is in his faithfulness. You need to know this because the way you use the word hope is different. And the way I use the word hope is different than that. When I say I hope, uh, I hope the Cardinals win three games this season. And you look at that and you say, that's a pretty bold hope, and I don't know if it's going to happen or not. But, but that's the way we use hope, or I hope they make the playoffs, or I hope they win the Super Bowl. Why not hope big, right? Hope all the way, but, but the, the bigger the hope you have, that down deep you know the less likely it is that it's going to happen. That is not hope. That is not hope at least not hope the way that God describes it. 
the way, if you're looking for something to describe the hope that, that we are given by God, it's like saying this, I hope the sun rises tomorrow. And, 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 and you would be able to tell me, dude, if you want to go on the weather channel, they'll even tell you what time it's going to rise. So, so you would say, that's not, that's not hope. But I'm telling you, if you've ever been in a dark night, or as a kid in a dark bedroom, when it's scary, and all you want it to be is light, that you know, you know, even if you can't turn the light on, that if, if you wait, you wait patiently, morning is coming. And if you've been on the most miserable day of your life, you know that the next day is going to come. Hope rises every morning in the form of a sun, and it comes on the horizon, and we have come to expect it every day. What I'm telling you are God's promises are that sure and that certain. That's what he says. And, and when you need it, when you need it the most, is not in the middle of the sunny day. It's in the day that I promise you is coming. It's the day that comes in every one of our lives. It is the dark day. It is the hopeless day. It is the day of misery. And this is what God promises. The second fill-in is hope is only of any value in hopeless situations. That's the nature of it. In hopeless situations, God shows up. God's promises are sure and certain. And learning the key to, to holding on to those and all of those things are completely tied to the resurrection, the physical resurrection of Jesus Christ. So where we're going to go now is 1 Corinthians 15, and we're going to go where the Apostle Paul is talking to the people about Corinth, who, by the way, were skeptical. And so if you are someone who is here today skeptical about the resurrection of Jesus, you've picked a great day to come. And, and some of the things, I guarantee you, if you are someone that does not want to be here today, you are going to nudge the person next to you within the next five minutes and laugh at them. That's my promise. Okay, you ready for it? Here we go. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. That if you don't believe in a resurrection, that, that, and Paul is saying this, that if, if you take that out of Christianity, it's like taking the heart out of a person. That, that you can have the body and everything like that, but if the heart is gone, it is not going to function. And here's the fill-in. Without a physical resurrection of Jesus, believing and going to church is completely useless. Completely useless. Nudge the person next to you and say, I don't go to church because it's useless. I told you that. I think it's a waste of my time. And if you do not believe that Jesus rose from the dead, I don't blame you. I wouldn't want to be here either. I wouldn't be here. I'd be out doing something for Easter, maybe on an Easter egg hunt somewhere or whatever, but I wouldn't be here, especially when there's more people. It's hard to find a seat. Blah. I hate it. It's useless. Am I close yet? <laughs> All right. You know what I'm going to do more now? 
pile on more. Here we go. More than that, okay, more than that, we are found out to be false witnesses about God. Your pastor's full of it. He's a false witness about God. He's not telling you the truth. He's a liar. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead, but he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those who also have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. It is no wonder that people who, who don't believe in Christ, it, it is not surprising that people who are atheist or maybe even agnostic look at Christians and say they are pathetic. They use terminology like, you know what Christianity or religion is? It's the opiate of the masses. It is the thing that makes them feel good. That religion is kind of like their socially accepted drug that, that makes them feel bad in their crappy lives, that they're being held down to both by the church and the government and probably their employers as well. And so why that is so pathetic is that this message series is called Hope Rising. And, and you give these poor people hope in a future that is never going to come. At least if they didn't have hope in the future, they would live for the present. They would find some joy and some satisfaction in now. And this idea that your, your sins are forgiven through the payment of Jesus Christ, and three days later the fact that Jesus rose from the dead is proof that God accepted the payment for sin, if there is no resurrection, then, then all of that, this idea of sins being forgiven and all of that is, is just garbage. It's so sad. And it's hard to watch. In the blank, you can write, without a resurrection, Christians are hopeless and helpless with their sin problem and relationship with God. These, these words, I want to make sure we're clear. These aren't, these aren't my words. These are God's words. These are the words that the Apostle Paul, the leader of the Christian church at that time, was writing to them about the resurrection and the need for it and the understanding that if you are going to preach against resurrection and specifically against Christ's resurrection, don't bother with Christianity. Let it die. Let, let it just die its own death. But Christianity is a little bit different. I, I don't care if you're a Christian or not. You, you, have, you, you have to admit on some level there is a difference. And, and I'm going to just show you some images. If Maybe you're a complete atheist or, or no religion. That's fine. But, but definitely as you look at Christianity in, amongst other religions, it's different. Here's why. first image we have is this is where... When, when Buddha died, he was actually cremated, and his ashes were put in a number of different places. And this is one of the places, at least according to legend, where some of his ashes are, are, are buried. And so if you were to go there and you were to dig around far enough, I guess you could find the DNA of Buddha in there. 
somewhere because that's where uh, a place where they celebrate uh, where his grave is. The next one we have is the, the Green Dome. And the Green Dome, this is where uh, the prophet Muhammad was buried. And there are some other uh, leaders from the Muslim religion that are there as well. But when you look at that in that religion, from the, the leader of, of their religion, that is where he is buried. The next one we have is, is this is also, this is Joseph Smith, who's buried in Illinois somewhere, and from LDS, the, uh, the Mormons, that, that you look at the, the leader of their, their sect is, is there, and that's where he, he's dead and where he's buried. The next one we have, I don't know if you can see it or not, that's Nietzsche. He was, he was an atheist. And, and the point is, is that as he, he shared his philosophy, I wouldn't call it, he wouldn't call it definitely religion, but he would call it instead philosophy because it is a, a teaching that, that does not have God in it. And so as we look at all of these, I don't care, we could go on and on if you want to look at the, the leaders of every religion, but, but there's a difference in Christianity. And the next slide shows the in Jerusalem, where, the, where they believe the, the tomb of Jesus might have been. And as you can see, they've, they've made a little temple in there. But when I think about the resurrection of Jesus and I read the account in the Bible, that's not what I think of. I think more of maybe the next slide. That I think of where we are told that the women went on that first Easter morning on the first day of the week. And I think of that stone where, where they were thinking about it and said, who is going to get that stone out of the way? I'll be honest with you, when I was a kid, I thought it was more like a big boulder. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that would be tough. But, but as you look at this, this is, what, this is what, what it would have been like. And then the final picture is, is, is this, is what it would be like on the inside. And that is, the body of Jesus is not there. The grave clothes were there. A number of people went in and they were there. Do you realize that after Jesus died and Jesus three days later that it was reported that he rose again, do you realize all they would have had to do is produce the body? That's it. That's all they would have had to do. And, and they knew this. They knew this. That's why there was a seal on the tomb. That is why there were guards there, so that after three days, they would be able to say to all of the, the disciples, see, he's not here. He's lying to you. All of his teachings are lies, and the centerpiece of that lie, which is the resurrection, is going to be proved to be false. So just show them the body. That's all you got to do. But there was no body. And, and, and the grave clothes are still there. I know I talked about this last year. So you think they, they still could have stole the body. So you think they took the grave clothes off it and then took him away naked? What? Are you kidding me? We wrap it up in a carpet. That's what we do so we don't have to touch the gross dead body. They, so that when you're walking, they say, oh, you getting a new carpet? Yeah, I just got this. Not like, oh, you got Jesus' dead body with you? Yeah. Yeah, we're just going for a walk. <laughs> Think about this. Think about this truth of the resurrection and, the, and, and this reality, this reality of how easily the resurrection could have been nipped in the bud and proved false, but it wasn't. 
So I ask you, in the same way that I consider, because I do, a Christian faith without the resurrection, is I ask you to consider the possibility of the truth. What if Jesus did rise from the dead? What if his promises were true? And that leads Paul to write, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits means he is dead and he rose again and there's gonna be others that follow him. He was just the first of many who will rise from the dead. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. All will be made alive. This is just the first, the first of many resurrections, which includes yours. And the reason why in the midst of Christ's death, there was hope not only for Christ, but for us as well. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. That's us. In the blank, you can write, out of the ashes of death, not only did Jesus rise, not only did Jesus rise, which he did, but hope rose for all people who will one day face death. That is the hopeless, hopeless situation on the horizon, people. Just want to let you know that. That's the one we will all face because we all face death. That is why this message is so important. You will face death one day. I will fa face death one day. And God wants you to be ready. He wants hope to rise in the middle of that hopeless situation. The next one I have is John 3, 16. I had to slip it in there. Just because it's so, it brings us all together. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus' resurrection and your resurrection are so closely connected. Jesus rose and you will rise too. Paul's thought continues then the end will come. So after we die, Jesus comes back. He's already risen from the dead. Christians, all people, are, are, go through this resurrection being brought back to life. Not as zombies, not as Frankenstein, not as vampires. No. Resurrection. Coming back as who you are. God bringing you back to life. Then the end will come. When, when he hands over the kingdom to God, to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. This is my favorite part. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. There's a reason why death has not been destroyed yet and why, why we need to go through it. Death was the, the end, and it was the place where people realized, oh my God, I'm going to die. I need to face God now. Now what? But now death, because it's been defeated by Christ, serves his purposes. Death will be put to death one day, on the last day, when it has done his work of bringing us from this world to the next. In the blank, you can write, instead of the end... Death is now the gateway. Death is the gateway, the doorway, which you will walk. And when you come through death, you will go through on the other side to be with the Lord in heaven. That's his promise. 
And that's the hope we have in Jesus Christ and his resurrection, a hope that's just as certain as the sun coming up tomorrow. Certain hope in his promises. And the final words from 1 Corinthians, now we jump to the very end. What does this mean for our lives? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear friends and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. You know that your life in the Lord is not in vain. And this is important for you to hear because you are going to go now into situations that seem hopeless. You are going to face things you don't want to face. My goodness, yesterday, I'm I'm in the middle of writing this and uh, got a phone call from a friend, 51-year-old friend of mine, of ours, comes to Resilient regularly, died in a motorcycle accident. Three kids that are like in, in high school and younger age And it is just, I'm not going to tell you it doesn't suck because it does, period. I'm not going to tell you that that there's not a misery and a pain that I feel for the family because I do. But this is not a hopeless situation. It is one that the resurrection of Jesus Christ and only the resurrection of Jesus Christ brings hope to I don't know yesterday, maybe it's a little early to to be thinking about that just because it's so raw. And maybe as you look at the situations you are in that you're facing something that is very, very brutal and and very, very hopeless. And and again, I'm not going to tell you that that it's easy and I'm not going to tell you that that you don't need the love and support of people here, your, your church family who do love you and the God who loves you. But even in the midst of that, we lay hope to the only thing that gives us hope, and that is Jesus Christ, who has beaten death, who has given us the victory, not only as we face death, but victory as we face the hopeless situations of our lives. In the blank, you can write, Jesus gives me victory. 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 Jesus gives me victory over sin and death. Say it with me. Jesus gives me victory. Jesus gives me victory. Jesus gives me victory. In the midst of the hopeless situation, you're not going to remember the rest of it anyways. (laughs) Jesus gives me victory, no matter what it is you're facing. And I can live with hope and joy rising in my life. I can live, and I do live with, and you can, you do live with hope and joy rising in my life. So we had something really cool planned for today, and we're balloons that say hope and joy, and we're going to release them, and, and hope and joy rising, and then we're told, you cannot release balloons, that's going to ruin the environment. So we're not. <laughs> All right. So here's what we're, just wait. So what we have, as you go out there today and enjoy this, you're going to see 
uh, it's, a, it's like this bubble machine that writes the word joy, and, and it's going to be throwing them out, joy rising, because hope, it, we could only get three letters, and we didn't want to do hop on Easter. So we, so we do have hope, and we do have joy rising. But as you go today, understand, I, and, and again, for those of you who came here not of your own free will, Thank you so much for coming. It's great. It's truly, truly great to have you with us. And, and thank you for staying with us through the message. And, and as we're here, though, don't, never forget the reason. We have hope. We have victory in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Let it continue to rise every day in your lives. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you that you have given us the victory. You have given us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But right now, Lord, it is not daytime, it is nighttime. It is a time when when we go through hopeless situations, just like Job did, where all that we can do as we lose everything that seems to be of value to us, that all we have is you. And in those hopeless situations, Lord, help us see that that is enough. Remind us, you have given us the victory. You have given us the victory. And one day as we face the the most difficult challenge, and that is death, that you give us the victory. Death is now this doorway into into our home in heaven. Lord, help us to to constantly have this inside of our hearts, in our thoughts, as we face the trials of each day. And we thank you that we can do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to crosswalkphoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. Resurrection has always been at the heart of the Christian faith. And, and one thing that they did in the early Christian churches so that, that they would never forget it, it was a common greeting to say, Christ is risen. And then the other Christians would respond, he is risen indeed. So we're going to practice, practice that. Christ is risen. He is risen so if you see someone on the patio that you don't know and you don't know, this is the secret handshake, okay? Christ is risen He is risen indeed. And as you go, go with his blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. Have a great day.